one of Dutch's daughters. And for today's podcast, I decided I wanted to hijack this episode a little bit because I wanted to have a conversation with my dad about the current state of affairs around the world today. Let me just say before she goes any farther, <laughs> the three ladies in my life have been hijacking my plans <laughs> for 30 years. Go right ahead, Anna. So business as usual then. Uh, I wanted to have a conversation with you today about the current state of affairs around the world because at the time we are recording this, uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19 is riding through the world like a freaking tsunami. And it's brought waves of panic, fear, anxiety, greed, uncertainty. Um, but at the same time, we've seen humanity rally together and respond with counter waves of kindness, neighborly love, hope. So I wanted to have a conversation with you today about all of this and kind of ask some questions like, no matter what we see going on around us, is it time to just have blind trust in the sovereignty of God? Is this a time where we as humanity figuratively hold hands and saying he's got the whole world in his hands? Or is there some possible mixture of both reality and hope that's possible in times like this? So let's kick it off with that question of just... What are you thinking? How do you see it? Because the world's in a little bit of chaos. And how do we have trust, have faith, have hope in times like this that's actually grounded in reality? Well, it's just, those are great questions. And, um, you know, the, the challenge for me in, in answering a question like this is to try not to get too theological, because I know that's not what people want in a time <laughs> like this. It's never been what you wanted. <laughs> um, I think everything goes back to trust. If we're going to walk in peace through a situation like this, go back to faith and trust. But that's, that's, I don't want that to be just a religious answer. Yeah. How do we do that is, is, is the question. And, and, exactly. uh, but, but let me still start there because anytime I'm going through a difficult situation, I'm always, uh, the key to moving through that in peace is to trust God's heart toward me mm. and trust his plans for me. You know, he says in the word, I know the plans I have for you for good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Uh, so, you know, if I can, if I can get myself focused on him and his promise in any situation, mm -hmm. Uh, then, then I'm positioned now to to start functioning and responding in peace. Okay. If I don't really start there, then there's too much um, uncertainty. Yeah. My certainty comes from my hope in in His heart and my trust in His heart toward me. So that's where I have to start. And you also then have to start on the. If you're gonna, if that's gonna lead to peace, then you have to know that his heart towards you is good and kind. Right. You do, and and so I think you know, it's like any any trust relationship, or any let's say any any relationship. If there's mm -hmm. gonna be trust in it, it it comes through time and through walking together. Uh, and yet, I don't think I don't think the only way to have trust in God in a situation like this is, is, is when you've walked with him for years, you know, a person that met Jesus yesterday can yeah. have peace yeah. through this. So I mean, how, how do we tap into that? I yes. guess is the better question because, yes. because even, even though we have to trust him, you don't have to have a long term relationship with the Lord in order to be able to trust him. 
No, that would mean if if if, if that were true, you, the person that was saved yesterday couldn't trust him. Yeah, they walked with him for a year or two. So, but I think one of the things that people don't realize is that in our relationship with the Lord, uh, He, because He dwells in me now, He's not having to work through my brain, and He's not have just through my brain. Obviously, mm -hmm. we use our brain. Yeah. But He's not just having to work through my brain, and He's not uh, having to just work through what He's taught me. He is imparting to me from within. That's good. So there's a Philippians 4.13 verse that everybody knows really well. I mean, not everybody, but you do. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. But the Amplified Bible says, one of the, one of the phrases in that verse says, through him who infuses inner strength That's good. into me. Yeah. So... And 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 one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. Yeah. So what I have to what I have to begin to tap into is, hey, wait a minute. I don't have to get enough understanding of the Bible to have peace. I have to tap into my connection with him to have peace. Okay. One of the you know, one of the concepts in the Old Testament is waiting on the Lord. That's such a vague religious yep. thing of yeah, what do does you, that mean? What does it mean? Our, and and in our in our terminology in our uh, world today, waiting on somebody means one of two things. Basically, you're either serving them, uh -huh. or you're you're waiting for somebody to do something or mm -hmm. show up. Right. But in Old Testament uh, uh, connotation and words, it has it's much more than that. And one of them, and there's actually five different words for wait in Hebrew, and one of them means. To become one with, it's the, actually the word for a braid, mm -hmm. as in braiding hair or a rope. Tied together. Mm -hmm. Tied together. So uh, Isaiah 40 says, they that wait on the Lord yeah. gain new strength. Well, you could translate that those who are braided together with him gain new strength. Well, that's what happens in a braid. You, yeah. you make a rope, the strands be, add strength to the other, and the strength is multiplied. So the point is, as, as we worship, as we wait on him and meditate in his words, spend time with him, there is a oneness that comes. It's okay. this infusing of strength. So I would say to people, you don't have to earn peace and you don't have to work for, for years to get a relationship with God that will bring you peace. But you do have to spend some time with him so that that which is inside of you he can begin to draw up because it comes from his presence so the psalmist would wait on the lord in worship and in meditation so that god's strength could be infused into him and he could begin to walk it out i would say to a christian when they're going through time like this you have to spend some time with the lord you're not going to walk in peace if all you do is watch the news you're not going to walk in peace if all you do is think about what's For happening sure. and wonder what's happening. For sure. But if you take some time every day and just spend it with the Lord, like put the worship of whatever you like, whatever ministers to you, some worship, uh, maybe a psalm or two, some scriptures that, that uh, are meaningful to you, and just begin to hang out with Him. What will happen is He will infuse strength into you and you'll find yourself becoming one with him and his thoughts and his emotions 
and he's not worried about anything. Yeah. So you won't either. You'll have peace. Yeah. So I think the whole thing goes back to relationship. It goes about to spend back to spending time with him. People that don't want to do that, they're just on their own <laughs> because he's not going to just he's not going to give us that peace and do these things for us when we don't when we don't follow his instructions. Okay. So when I what I hear part of what I hear you saying is almost when I when I think about it, it almost to me sounds like there's different layers. Of processing. So like you can have a still mind and that's a certain level of peace, but it's very fragile and temporary to the next bit of bad news. But then if you can, but you, one of the things you said a couple of times was coming from within. So from a spirit level, a deeper level, there's a steadiness that we have to learn how to tap into that is spirit to spirit. So how do we, you've said things like worship, read the scripture, but how do we practice consistently, make it part of our lives, getting from the head layer of anxiety or panic, worry, fear, to a deeper within spirit level that comes from connection and presence? What are some of the steps on that journey other than just, oh, you need more time in worship. Oh, you just need to read more scripture. How do we cultivate habit with that? Well, that's now you're moving into a much more practical aspect of, mm-hmm. of this, and I think it's 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 really no different than any. Honestly, it's no different than any uh, discipline. I have to have to make certain decisions. I have to make some plans. You know, for me, it came to a point where where in my life, where I had, and I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna rearrange my day. Start building and that's a good word building into it a time with the lord so that i can build my relationship with him yeah and and i don't think it's even spiritual you could do that around studies you can do it around i don't know i mean building a relationship with somebody another person uh-huh. it doesn't have to be even spiritual you you just you just you lay out some practical plans where you say this time every day and for most people, it needs to be a time in the morning or late at night where the the business of the day is not crowding in. And you say, I'm gonna start my day with some time with the Lord. I'm gonna and and and, and if it's 15 minutes or an hour, I'm gonna start with some worship. I'm gonna think about him, I'm gonna talk to him, or I'm gonna end my day with that, or on my lunch break, I'm gonna go for a walk and 30 minutes of my lunch break, I'm gonna hang out with him. I think sometimes we don't make our spiritual life practical enough. You're never gonna yeah, move. Yeah, that's good. You're never gonna move into peace, faith, hearing, learning the voice of God. You're never gonna do these things by going to church once a week on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. It's just not gonna happen. You have to you have to build him into your life into your day. No, no two people are going to form a meaningful relationship and end up getting married and having a wonderful life by spending an hour a week together. Right. The, the, something is there that draws them together and they start building on that. And if it's really meaningful, they're going to start doing it regularly. Yeah. As, as often as they can. And they're going to plan. They, they're going to put it on the calendar. They, they're going to, they're going to set some other things aside. And I think, we don't make our walk with God practical enough. 
We just have to, That's good. We, have to we have to build time into our day for him. And if we're not going to do that, there are going to be many things he wants to do for us that he's not able to do because we're not tapping into that a united heart with him that can allow him to infuse who he is into us on a daily basis. Yeah. And I think wanting to do it and cultivating that connection in part goes back to uh, the very beginning of what you said of trusting his heart for you, because you're not going to cultivate a connection with someone and intentionally build a relationship with them. If you don't think they care about you, if you don't enjoy being with them, if you all, all you get from them is negativity or what you're doing wrong. So you have to have that shift in perspective with the Lord that he actually is for you. He does his plans for you are actually good. His intention for you is kindness. He doesn't approach you with a rod of connection every single time you talk. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think, I think we have to, we have to approach it two ways. We have to know that, that I'm going to, I'm going to have to, spend time with him to get to that point, mm -hmm. but that he also is willing to impart to me through his strength uh, from the very beginning, a revelation of who he is that will give me the motivation to build from there. That's good. So it's like his grace is what enables you to even do it in the first place. Absolutely. And he opens my eyes to who he is. You know, there are some people that, that never, they're never going to start this journey or they haven't started it because they don't believe what you just said. Right. They don't think he wants a personal relationship with them. They don't know if they believe the, the story of Jesus and the gospel or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're not going to start this journey. But I think for a, for a believer who wants to begin this trust relational journey with him, the place to start is, especially if they have some wounds, Mm -hmm. or some areas of their life where they're not convinced yeah. of God's goodness or that he wants this with them, I think you, you ask him to bring revelation to you, to reveal to you his heart that wants you. And, and you say, I, I, need, I need that reality. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to believe that. For sure. Something has happened to me and I'm stuck. I can't really believe that you want this would you help me get past that because if i could ever believe that i would do this so i think it's two things i think we're gonna have to pay the price but i think god is always willing to give us an initial breakthrough to say hey i love you yeah i want you i'm here for you and give it to us in enough of a revelation that will enable me to begin to move forward then i'll have to build on that because it's a, that's what you do again in any relationship. You build on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So understanding he's good, vital piece to start with. Then you can trust what he's saying. You can trust, you can build relationship. You can trust the relationship being built. So is peace a byproduct of trust? Is... True peace, lasting peace, deep peace, not just temporary peace. Peace is a byproduct of trust. But I think every part of our relationship with God is a byproduct of trust. You That's know, good. Anything you're going to do even with him, for him, no matter what it is, mm -hmm. 
it starts with trust. And I think even back to, to back up a couple of minutes in this conversation, the reason a lot of Christians never get there is their religion gets in the way. You know, they don't, they don't believe he's good all the time. Right. They believe he's a mean God. They believe he's up there making a list, checking it twice. <laughs> and by God, you're not getting anything this year. <laughs> so, you know, I think this, there's, there's a, in, in many believers, a legalistic concept of God that he's into judgment. Yeah. He's into strictness. Oh, for sure. And so, to me, that's what religion puts in us. Works, perfectionism, performance. Yeah. And I think a good place for anyone to start building a relationship with God, and especially a trust relationship, is to know that's, that's not who he is. And that's not, that's not what he wants with me. He doesn't want me to earn anything. I don't get close. I don't get to have a close relationship with God because I earn it. I, I get to have a close relationship with God because He earned it for me, and that's what He wants for yes. me. Yes. Yeah. And He's saying, "Open up. I'm standing at the door knocking. Open up. Come to me, mm-hmm. and, and let's hang out together." Yeah. So I think what a lot of Christians have to do is is get past the belief system, sometimes even subconscious belief system that. They're not really convinced he wants this. They're convinced he wants them to be a good person. Right. He wants them to be a good Christian. Mm-hmm. He wants them to obey him. That's not what I want for you. Mm-hmm. My relationship with you, Hannah, is not that I want you to obey me. I want you to be a good citizen. I want you to be a good family member. <laughs> my relationship with you is you're my daughter and I love you. And because of that, you can do all these things. Right. And that's most Christians, frankly, I don't, I don't know if they have that understanding. So I think what for, for some people, what they need to do is, is back up and say, would you help me rethink who you are? That's good. And who you want to be to me. Yeah. Uh, do you really want to be daddy? Or is that just religious jargon? Do you really want to love me? Mm-hmm. And do you really want me to talk to you or do you just want me to ask for things? And I think, I think again, a lot of Christians need a reshaping regarding their concept of who he is. Wow. And I, I, com- I completely agree because, you know, when, when Jesus taught us to pray, when his disciples said, teach us how to pray, he started with, father and that is an intimate connection that so many of us i think i think so many people it it comes from not understanding the value of our own identity and not seeing us as important or valuable enough to have that kind of intimate connection with the lord but also there's there's a wounding in so many of us from authority figures from parents and so the idea that attaching total goodness to authority figures or to parents gets bent in us a little bit. So there's not the total trust in us because we don't have, um, not all of us have, I mean, no, none of us have perfect parents, but a lot of us don't come from broken homes or whatever. And so there's that thing of our father already starts some people on a level of distrust. 
I think that's entirely true. <coughs> and I think not only have our parents, all parents have failed somewhere along the line, mm-hmm. but so have our friends. Right. Every relationship we've had, our brothers and sisters, relationships disappoint us. Right. It's life. Mm-hmm. And I think we transfer that to God. Yeah. And we can say he'll never disappoint us, but that's not our history. Mm-hmm. Everybody disappoints me sooner or later. And so I, I think you're right. I think we, we, have to, we have to get to a point where, where we, can, we can know that he's not human. He doesn't have the ability to disappoint. He doesn't have the ability. That's, a, that's an amazing thing to let yourself believe. He doesn't have the ability. There's no, there's no rejection in him mm-hmm. for, for us. None. None. Even when we were sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. He wasn't rejecting us even in our sin. Right. So I think we... We have to start with letting him define faithfulness, goodness. That's so important. Reliability. Yes. And, and if we'll do that, well, I'm, I, I'll go so far as to say if we'll do that, it, it'll reshape everything in our lives. 100%. Because when you, when you have that confidence toward him and everything is, is flowing out from that, you're not even at the mercy of what other people do to you. Mm-hmm. Because... They don't give you your esteem, security, confidence, well-being, none of those things. If, 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 if you get it from him, you don't, you're, not, you're not even uh, shaken when someone else, even if they're close to you, disappoints you. So I think the biggest key to trust is to start with an understanding of who he is. Mm. And then that can be transferred to me who he is to me. That's really good. Um, so a lot of times, so even, you know, we started, I started all this talking about kind of the chaos the world is seeing right now with the pandemic COVID-19 and all that. Um, so the whole world is in a storm right now. So obviously, maybe not obvious, but for me, obviously it brings to mind when Jesus and his disciples were in the boat and there's this crazy storm all around them they're freaking out thinking about thinking that it's all about to end the the boat's going to break or it's going to capsize or whatever. Jesus is taking a nap. And so there's a, I, for me, I think obvious lessons for us in that, but how do we get to the point where we can take a flipping nap when it seems like the boat's about to go under? <laughs> well, I think there's no, there's no way to answer that except by saying, his confidence in the Father. He just spent time yes. in prayer. He'd been off on the mountainside by himself. And he had such a walk with, with the Father, his Father, that he that trust couldn't be shaken. And, and then there is, a, there is an element to, uh, there, there's a part of our walk, well, how do I want to say this? There is a strength that comes from walking with him over time that adds to the ability to do that. I think there's always grace, even as a baby or a baby Christian to trust. But I try, but uh, I, I just keep coming back to the fact, I don't want people that haven't walked with the Lord long to think they can't trust him. Right. What I am saying though, is that the more you do it, the more you can do it. So 
Jesus had such a walk with the Father that nothing could shake him. Mm-hmm. But we can get there. Yeah. But we start with intentionality. Intentionality. We, and yeah. we start by making a choice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a baby in the natural or a two year old, let's say, you know, has complete trust in the parents, mm-hmm. but not for all the things he or she will trust the parent for when they're 20 or they're 15, even. Right. They know. Mom and dad's going to take care of them, going to feed them, going to comfort them. Right. So they have complete trust. But as they grow in their maturity, they're going to trust them for far more. They're going to know they can trust their wisdom. They're going to know they can give them counsel. They're going to know that, hey, when I have my life is. Ideally speaking of parents, yes. Yeah. 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 my life is in a bad place. I can go to mom and dad, get some help here. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I think that's the way it is with us as a baby Christian. I can trust him. Mm-hmm. And I can know he's going to take care of me. Right. But I think that also needs to increase, and in, and in my maturity, in the sense of trust, also has to grow. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, I think it's a also an an element of perspective as you. You have to in that in in those early stages where it's intentionality and you're working to set a habit or make it part of who you are. You have to be intentional about also taking off the lenses where you don't see him rightly, where you are in order to invite in the exchange of perspective of trust. If you don't have that, you haven't had it then or you think knowing him now means no storms. You have to realize that or be willing to accept you probably have wrong lenses on and be just as intentional about saying, okay, I think I'm seeing this through a warped perspective. So I also invite you to exchange my lens. Totally. Uh, Two things you're saying there. We have to, we have to allow him to, to reshape our thinking. Yeah. But I think also when you touched on this, just, uh, vaguely, but you, you did. And that is that there, there has to be an element of vulnerability. Mm. You know, that's at some point, uh, every, everyone has to make the decision to trust. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let him in, even if I've been hurt, yep. even if I've been rejected or wounded or betrayed, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to open the door again to in my heart and risk. Risk. It's harder for some than others, but even for those that have been wounded and abused, there is a grace from God that can come and enable you to do that. Hundred percent to say, "I'm going to open my heart to Him." Yeah. And really, what do you have to lose? <laughs> I mean, you're already beat up and bruised. To that that person is right. And so, why don't you why don't you just open up to Him? And see what he does. Take have the courage to do it one more time. Exactly. So so we start with that vulnerability, and then and then we make the decision. I'm going to let him reshape my thinking, so that I can trust and 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 walk a life of trust and faith. Yeah, whole life of it. (laughs) You know, King David. uh, David wrote the Psalms, and uh, it was just a great king in Israel. And and yet, and he had had one of the absolute closest relationships with God, I believe, any person that's ever lived. 
He made mistakes. Yeah, big ones. Big ones. But he had but he had a heart that believed in God's heart to him. Yeah. Uh, he believed that God's love for him was bigger than his mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, Which and, is and, huge. And so on. Which is huge. Right. And yet, uh, he was obviously an outcast in his family. Mm-hmm. And there was a point when, when the prophet Samuel was going to anoint the next king, and he knew it was in this household. And he tells Jesse, David's father, bring all the sons in. I'm going to pick one of them to be king. And... Uh, Jesse brings all of them but David. Right. And it's it's obvious from the passage that it wasn't just because he was the youngest. It was because he didn't he didn't respect him. And the the, the word that, that is translated youngest actually means in Hebrew uh, of no account. Wow. He said there there's the there's the runt out there. There's mm-hmm. the one of no account. Wow. And then again Many scholars believe that that was because David was likely uh, a product of a, a relationship that Jesse had with one of his uh, servants. An affair. An affair. Yeah. So as an, in that culture in that day, you didn't have the rights of a son yeah. if that happened to you. And so that he was basically, he was basically an outcast. And he was one that had no rights as a son. When you when you when you think about the Psalms and the walk this guy had with God, it's 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 remarkable. How did he get there? Yeah. How did he get past being an outcast, rejected, no account, no love, no respect? Put him out on the side of the mountain with the sheep somewhere. We don't want him around here. And yet he becomes a giant killer. He becomes a king. He becomes one of the greatest worshipers in history. How does that happen? Because he sat on the hillside and talked to God. He got his harp out and he he wrote songs. David didn't set out to write songs. David was just letting his heart out. And he was honest when his heart was in pain. He was. He was. Read the Psalms. He would yeah. talk about, you know how he was feeling and right. how in despair he was. Mm-hmm. Please don't abandon me. Right. But through those conversations, something happened. God came near to him. Yeah. And infused him with strength and, and shaped his thinking to where at the end of David's life, he could have a moral failure and still believe he loves me. He still loves me. And he's not gonna. He's not gonna reject me. There may be some consequences here, but he still loves me. Yeah. And so, David, David, I think is one of the greatest examples of a person who has been rejected, hurt, abused, disappointed. He, he's one of the great pictures that should say to us, "I can do this. I can open my heart." Yeah. Because though mom and dad reject me, Abba. Daddy, God won't. My brothers and sisters may reject me, but God won't. And we start drawing near to him, and he starts healing the heart, and he reshapes our mind and the way we think. And the next thing you know, we're on our way to an incredible relationship with our creator Yeah. that really then positions us to be what he intended for us from the beginning, our destiny. 
Yeah. And when I think about David too, one of the things I appreciate in reading the Psalms is that when he was in turmoil or his life wasn't going as he thought it would, the prophetic word didn't seem to be happening or being fulfilled. He was hurt. He was in pain. He'd made mistakes. You see all of that in the Psalms, but you all, he doesn't deny any of that in his conversations with the Lord. He's honest. He's transparent. He stays vulnerable. And his trust, just because he says, Lord, where are you? Come rescue me, doesn't mean he stopped trusting the Lord. The fact that he's having that conversation with the Lord shows his trust in the Lord. That's absolutely right. And I, I think, I think, in a different sort of a different context but the prodigal son is another good picture of not that but of the father's heart yeah for sure because god wants us to know if you've beaten yourself up and you don't think you can come back to me which mm -hmm. is not what david felt but if even even for someone who's had this hang up that i'm too bad or right? i've failed or, right? or i'm a failure or i'm no good whatever god wasn't god wasn't feeling that he was feeling love for them. He, he was feeling, I want to put a ring back on your finger, which was so a, important, which was a sign of sonship. And I want you to have your inheritance back. Yeah. And so again, God goes out of his way in scripture to say to us, my heart toward you is not judgment. I'm not into judgment. I, God is not into judgment. He takes no that pleasure. Is huge. He takes no pleasure in judgment. That's what the Bible says. So what he's into is redemption. He's into healing. He's yeah. into restoration. He's into, he's into salvation. So, you know, whether, whether we're, we're caught up in condemnation uh, or whether we have had other people heap onto us curses and say to us, we don't amount to anything. None of that. God doesn't want any of that to keep us from him. I agree. I agree. And the, I think when the world gets in a storm like we're in now or chaos or you personally face storms, it gives you one thing it does is it gives you an opportunity to see where you are in this process. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be something that causes you to recenter a little bit and say, OK, I maybe I thought I was further along, but this has really freaked me out. And it gives you an opportunity to say, I'm still like the apostles were in the boat looking at the waves. And it's an opportunity, really what it is, is it's an invitation for greater intimacy with Jesus to say, he's inviting me to go nap with him in the middle of all of this. Yeah, I think it's the, it's the guy who said, I believe, mm -hmm. help my unbelief. Come on, yeah. He was saying, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not completely without faith, but I'm, I'm struggling in this situation. Mm -hmm. Help me. And I just think that's a beautiful example of... God's heart that again, he's not a perfectionist. Nope. He's not requiring of us to do it exactly right. Or we don't get this. Mm -hmm. What he's saying is I love you. Come on, let's work on this together. Even when you fall short, I'll teach you through that. Let it be a barometer of where you are. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like you said, but don't get stuck there. Don't get condemned over it. We're in a growth process here and we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's absolutely right. And I think for a lot of people, situations like this do reveal where we are in our trust level. I mean, I can honestly say that during this whole process, this whole coronavirus thing, mm -hmm. I have not had fear. Same. 
personally. Yeah, yeah. not had to wonder, oh my God, you know, is he going to take care of us or our family or whatever? I have a confidence in him now that mm-hmm. that that's not going to shake. A right. disease like this won't shake that. So, but but again, there are other people that that aren't there, and they are. It is it is revealing to them where they are, even Christians. And that's not a bad thing, and that's not a condemnation thing, like we've been saying. It's just an indicator, and on the other side of that, an invitation. Absolutely, it can be incredible growth. Yeah, time. yeah. Because if that is where you are, you don't wallow in failure. Right. You say, okay, Lord, thanks for helping me see that. Now I'm going to grow during this. And next time it happens, I will, it won't affect me. Mm-hmm. It won't have this effect on me. So I think God always wants to turn it into something that it helps me grow and helps me learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, we don't, we, we don't want to make the mistake of thinking that everything bad that happens is God, that God is doing it. To help to teach us something. Right. But I think we should always know that even when bad things happen, always God wants to teach me something. Right. He's not going to waste it. He's not going to waste my pain. He's not going to waste the heartache. Doesn't mean he caused it, but it does mean he wants me to grow through this. He wants to turn it into something good for me. Mm -hmm. So. And that goes all the way back to the beginning, trusting his heart and his nature. Absolutely. Step one, Lord, help me see you. Absolutely. And see how you see me. I think another important phase of this, and I know this is not where you wanted to get to necessarily, but one of the things I need to know as a person is if, if, if he can get me to this point of trust, that's when he can really use me the most. Mm. Because um, the more I know him, the more I can listen to him, the more I can trust his heart, the more he can communicate to me assignments of what he wants me to do. Yeah. He's not going to give me his heart for America if I don't trust him because I'm going to do something weird with that. <laughs> but, if, but if I've come to a point where I believe he is good all the time yeah, and he is a God of salvation and not judgment, if I really believe that, now he can communicate his heart to me for a nation yeah, and, and use me and I'm not going to beat people up over their sin. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one of these doom doomsday naysayer prophets that always telling people quote unquote prophets, yeah, your, your state's going to fall off into the ocean here, <laughs> or God's going to burn your city down because there are right. too many homosexuals that live there. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, what is God's heart? Heart. To heal that. Absolutely. And to rescue people. Yeah. So I think trust is, is ultimately not just effect, is not just connected to, to my ability to live life in peace, but it's it's a part of coming into the kind of relationship with him that allows him to use me. I think Peter is an excellent example of that, Apostle Peter, where you have this wild, uh kind of childish easily moved by his emotions dude who ends up being but he still wants to take the journey and take the risks he's willing to do that so he ends up being the one who tries to walk on the water successful for a second or two and then loses it again and he goes back and forth between who he is and who he was going to be on that journey a little bit ultimately ends up being 
one of the major main apostles leading the Acts church. Absolutely. As he matures. Absolutely. And and he blew it probably more than any of the other apostles except for Judas. (laughs) (laughs) He cursed. He he rebuked Jesus. Right. He's the first one that said between the cross and resurrection, I'm done with this. I'm going back to my old profession. I'm going back to fishing. He gave up. But but he was also then in a very short time one of the leading apostles. Right. For, for the very reasons that, that you said. He 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 was able to get past that unbelief and that fear. Right. And, and God was able to transform him and turn him into a rock. Right. Because those those storms, those chaotic instances, the the turmoil he faced, the different crises he walked through with the Lord, they all ended up being opportunities that even if he seemingly failed the first time around, the Lord used it and turned it around into an invitation into more trust, more peace, more growth. And let's not forget that Jesus said, I knew this failure was coming. And when, right. he, when he, uh, when he, he knew what he was getting into when, when he, he was, chose Peter, Yeah, when he was going to run. Yeah. He said, I, I knew this was going to happen, but I prayed for you. His heart wasn't anger. His heart was, how can I help this guy through this? Mm-hmm. He's going to show some humanness here. But I'm going to be his intercessor, and I'm going to give him some prayer support so he can make it. I mean, that's so contrary to our concept of God. But that's that's the reality of who he is. Yeah. I know you're going to fail, but I've already planned a way to turn that into something else. And so that's just the heart of God. Yeah. This is probably enough because <laughs> we've talked about how do we have peace? How well, do we you're co- in charge, Hannah, whatever you say. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Okay. So (laughs) as long as you can admit it. So we have, (laughs) but we've, we've talked about learning his, he's good, inviting him in for perspective. We, at the beginning, we talked about actually being intentional and setting time away to do this, making it habit, cultivating it. We talked about trust, peace, storms, different journeys. We gave people hopefully inspiration to go look at it themselves, either through the lives of David or Peter Um, and so I think that's probably a good chunk of stuff to just say, okay, let's good. Let's stop here and say, here are some nuggets. Here's some ideas, inspiration, hopefully on how you can practically start cultivating this in your own life. Yeah. And I think the verse that comes to my mind that I, I think be a good place to end this is the phrase. And I think it is in. Peter's epistle that he wrote, the letter he wrote, mm. the phrase, peace that passes understanding. Yeah. It, there is a peace in times like this that the, word, the phrase passes understanding. That, that means it's not natural. Right. It goes beyond the normal ability to process and understand. Mm-hmm. Apart from what's happening, yep. there can be peace. Yep. And so that's what I want to leave people with today. Say, hey, start there. It's available. Love it. You have to know this is available. I can available. Get, I can get through this without worry, stress, fear. Mm-hmm. He wants to give me that. If I go to him and do the things they're talking about, I'm gonna. He's gonna put his peace in me. He's gonna cause faith to rise up in me. Right. Even if I lost my job. Right. He used that job to provide for me, but that job is not called my provider. God's right. called my provider. Absolutely. And so, no, no matter what happens, you can always fall back on his love and his grace and say, I can have peace because he's going to take care of me. 
He is my peace. He is my peace. Yeah. And he's my provider and he's my healer and he's my sustainer. Yeah. And there is a peace and a strength that can come from him that is beyond anything natural that I can walk in in this situation. I love it. Nothing else needs to be said. Done. Done. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. Appreciate it. Love you, Dad. Love you too. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Dutch Sheets Ministries. If you would like more information about us or if you've been impacted by this podcast and would like to sew into the ministry, please visit our website at dutchsheets.org.